Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Well, thank you for that introduction. And I know if my father were standing here, he would shout, Hallelujah! Amen. And far be it from me to let down a McAllister tradition. It's also a great privilege for me to be here because, you know, my mom was called to the mission field in one of the meetings at the Bangor Convention so many years ago. So we owe this group, this initiative, this movement a great deal in our family. My parents went out as missionaries to Congo in 1952. They spent over 40 years as missionaries to Congo and missionaries elsewhere on top of that, uh, but to Congo 40 years. Um, I was born there. I grew up there. I went to missionary schools in uh, in Africa. They were run by Americans, which is why I have a slightly odd accent. I apologize for that. <laughs> Congo is an amazing country. The people are beautiful. The people are wonderful. But the people are suffering. Up to six million people have died over the last 20 years in Congo as a result of the violence. That's the population of the whole of Ireland, and it's not even on the media. Just a few days ago, 70 70 people were hacked to death in the town of Beni in eastern Congo. I know the place well. People emerged, paramilitaries emerged from the jungle, killed, slaughtered 70 people, and melted back into the jungle for no reason. We don't know why. Three million children in Congo do not have enough to eat. 2.7 million people are displaced in their own country. And yet it's a fertile country. It can grow anything. It's got gold, tin, uh, oil, you name it. Congo's got it. And yet it languishes at the bottom or near the bottom of the UN Human Development Index. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And we're going to concentrate a little bit on Congo tonight, if you don't mind. My brother David is the director, the Congo director for Tear Fund. And we're going to show a little bit of a video where he, he talks Tim McGowan, the Northern Irish director for Tear Fund, has just returned from a trip to Congo, literally with the, with the dirt, the dust of Congo under his fingernails. He didn't think I was looking. So we're going to see a video about Congo. Now, if you want to see something else about the McAllister story at some other venues, on page 9 you will see a wee advert in there. I won't spend time on it, but do look at it, and you'll get some more um, venues around Northern Ireland about the, the, the McAllister story in Congo. But let's, let's look at the video to set the scene. My friend Oliver is there. It seems like I've spent my life actually believing in Jesus and his words and, and trying to follow Jesus where the need is greatest. I was born in this country. I grew up in this country. My parents were missionaries, and there's such need in this country. And today, these people, they just have nothing. They've been fleeing, guns blazing, machetes hacking. They've walked over 200 miles to get here. When I was 10, we had a very severe rebellion in Congo. And that left such a mark on my life. I saw real violence. I saw many Congolese who were very brutally killed. Do you know upwards of six million Congolese have died as a result of the violence since 1999? Upwards of six million. My heart's breaking. 
But then I meet a woman called Yvette, who was one of these displaced persons, as we call them. But these are just people fleeing their homes to try and find some safety. The militia came at 9 a.m. Seven of my family were trapped at home and were killed. My two big sisters, my brother, my three grandparents, and my father. I was hiding at the hospital for seven days. After that, we fled to a nearby city where my husband was also killed. I still feel sick about it. After the end of the civil war and ethnic conflict, then Yvette decided to return to Nyakunde. Yvette and kids were eating just once a day. And sometimes if she could not manage to get some work, she could not get money to buy food. I used to do work in the field and was paid in food, clothes, and a tiny amount of money. I knew how to make clothes, but I didn't have a sewing machine. I met Tiofan's partner, Action Entraide, who offered me a small loan to start two businesses. The loan I received was for $35. I took $15 as a down payment for a sewing machine. With the remaining $20, I started a donut business. The donuts are very tasty. I sell them on the side of the road. With my tailoring business, women usually come with their own material. I make clothes and they pay me. I make women's tops, dresses, and skirts. I like working with my hands, making clothes. We train people in tailoring, carpentry, and uh, weaving, we also help people, we give them uh, tree plants for reforestation to improve the environment. And we also give micro loans to people so that people who had nothing could at least start some income generating activities. I paid off my loan in three months. When I got the loan from Action on Trade, I was very happy. Now I earn enough to send my children back to school. My faith has grown. God is working through Tiofon supporters. And Action on Trade was able to help me. Those people have helped me a lot. And walking around feeling these strong emotions of why are the Congolese still suffering? What, what is happening here? And I meet somebody like Yvette. She challenged me to say, if you continue to help me and the other women in my village, we will make this. We will do this together. My Lord told me, give a little cup of water in my name. That's what keeps me going. There are days when I'm so frustrated. Honestly, I, I'm so, I just question, why am I doing this? And then my Lord reminds me and says, just keep giving that little cup of water because I, I gave all. David, please give 
to these folks as the Lord has given you and as the Lord continues to give. That's what keeps me going. I will never be able to give like the Lord Jesus Christ, but I want to try. I do want to try. What is really interesting to me is the young fellow, Kalongo. Kalongo lost 13 members of his family killed, including his wife. And he has not taken revenge. He has not gone after the guys who killed his wife. He's working day in, day out in these little projects to help people on the ground. My parents went out as missionaries. They saw souls saved. They saw churches planted. And the children of those converts are the people that you see here setting up their own missions. We're talking about worldwide missionary convention here. Do you realize how many missions there are now in the developing world? We used to talk about that as the mission field. Now they have their own missions. Kalongo is the director of his own mission that he set up to help his own people. I work with uh, a mission called Congo Initiative. Our headquarters is in Beni, not London, not New York, not Melbourne, not Frankfurt. It's in Beni, Congo. The general director of our mission is Dr. David Kasali. This is 21st century mission. Hallelujah. This is Bangor Missionary Convention rebound. Coming back to hit you from the developing world. Where is mission? It's all around us. Where is the mission field? Here, out there. Why is David, my brother, why is he heartbroken? Are we allowed to be heartbroken? We have victory in Jesus. We're going to heaven. Jesus knows the end from the beginning. Before we even pray, he's got the solution in mind. Why, why are we heartbroken? Because the scriptures say that we should be joyful with those who are joyful, weep with those who weep. Jesus wept. Jesus had compassion. Jesus healed. Jesus fed people. It's interesting. If you read the story about when Jesus fed the 5,000, I'm a missionary kid. Missionary kids, we're a little bit, we always think outside the box a little bit. We're unconventional, like pastor's kids. And what what's always strikes me is about the feeding of the 5,000 is not the miracle of feeding the 5,000. That we got in Sunday school. I understand that Jesus can do this. It's the sequence of events. Jesus preached to a big crowd all day, and at the end of the day, the disciples came to him and said, they are tired, they're hungry, let them go and find their food. Um, and Jesus said, no, uh, feed them. That's fascinating. Jesus, you can all, almost imagine him looking at them and saying, they're hungry, we'll feed them. It's not rocket science. When I was a young missionary, I went out to Congo, first of all, to teach in a theological seminary, and I got a big shock. A young pastor was preaching on the Beatitudes. And, of course, it's French. They speak, in Fr- they speak French. And I was reading from the French Bible, reading through the Beatitudes in French. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after. What does the French say? Justice. And I thought, wait a minute, hold the horses. The French have got it wrong. It's righteousness, not justice. Righteousness, holiness. And yet... Then, because I'm a, I was a theology professor, you're allowed to go to the Greek, so I did. And the Greek word actually means, the dikaiosene actually has an element. It's piety, morality, and justice. 
So from that moment on, I have read that beatitude with the French way of doing it, and I have said to myself, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after justice. That revolutionized my life, because I had always read it, righteousness, seek first the kingdom of God and holiness, piety, faith. There are other Greek words that mean holiness, piety, and faith, but here it means justice. What's that all about? What's that all about? Justice. What am I, a lawyer? Then I got to thinking, we are surrounded by injustice. What's the greatest injustice ever in the history of creation? That there is a holy God and his creatures, humankind, rebelled against him. That's an injustice. And God sent his son to die and take the blame for that. And those of us who believe on Jesus... We have been justified, rectified. We are now righteous in the eyes of unholy God. That is injustice number one, sorted. Or as they would say in London, sorted. But you may look around. You may have noticed something. We're not in heaven yet. We're still here. We haven't died yet. Why not? Because God is not finished with the justice thing. We who are justified through Jesus before unholy God must hunger and thirst after justice. We are the people who seek justice. We are God's people and we want to put things right. Or do we? Because if we don't, we are not hungering and thirsting after righteousness, rectitude, putting things right. We are the people who put things right. And there's a lot wrong in Congo. And that's why David is heartbroken. And there's a lot wrong in Ireland. And there's a lot wrong around the world. And as Christians, are we, are, we really not, are we not concerned about the thousands of women who are trafficked into, into sex slavery around the world? Does it not bother us? Does it not bother us what we're doing to our environment? Does that not bother us? Where's the justice in this? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his justice. I want to talk to the men here. Forgive me, I'm not sexist, but now and again I want to talk to the men. Are you a just man? Does your family see you as a just man? When you're, di- when you're dead, and as we do in Northern Ireland, we put you in the coffin and we'll all look at it and have a cup of tea and some sandwiches. Will people say there was a just man? Do the people in your street know you as a just man? Do the people in the workplace know you as a just man? Does the tax man know you as a just man? Because without that justice in our daily lives, we have not been justified in the first place, in my humble opinion. And if we are justified through Christ and we hunger and thirst after justice, we weep at what is going on in our world. Of course we have victory, amen. But we weep and we want to put things right. And in case you think I'm talking a social gospel, I'm not. I'm talking about salvation in Jesus Christ and in Tear Fund, we stand four square right there. That's the beginning. But it's the beginning. Then we go, as Tear Fund does, following Jesus where the need is greatest. To me, that is missionary work. And we have a tradition of that, did you know? It was Wilberforce and evangelical Christians who put an end to African slavery. It was evangelical Christians who got our women and children out of the coal mines. It was evangelical Christians who were behind a lot of the trade union movement. Social concern, wanting to put things right. 
not sleeping until we try our best to put things right. As David says, a cup of water or a cup of rice in my name to those who really need it. In Congo, if you read your history of Congo, way back when, King Leopold used to own the whole thing. It was his private property. They had a, it's a long story. And he needed money, and he, sent, he, he forced villagers to go into the jungle and get wild rubber so that they could be sold. And if they didn't get the required amount, they chopped their hands off. If you go in your history book, you will see pictures of people holding up human hands. It was called the red rubber trade in the history of Congo. That's how Congo started off, the red rubber trade. You know who stopped it? Protestant missionaries. They orchestrated and organized a worldwide campaign to put shame on Leopold that he was forced to cede the Congo Free State to the, Belgian, the country of Belgium, and it became the Belgian Congo. Christians in action. To me, that is missionary work. Pastor Ernst Christoffel, the German pastor and founder of Christian Blind Mission, he said, you know, love is the sermon that everyone understands. In Northern Ireland, we're very good at theology. How good are we at love, loving our neighbor? How good are we at hungering and thirsting after justice? How good are we at putting things right? I'll close with this. When I was a young missionary, the Christian community we were in, all the gardens burned down, a fire, wildfire. Now, there's no social services in Congo. There's nobody to help. And the African Christians fell on their knees and said, Lord, we're, we're going to starve. Our kids are going to starve. This whole harvest, we've missed it. It's gone. And as missionaries, we talked about it. And I said, you know, we really must buy rice and hand it out. And most of the missionaries that were with me. But there was one missionary who said, to, said, Bill, I'm a little bit hesitant about this. We came out here to preach the gospel. What you're wanting to do is, to do is getting into social work. I couldn't believe it. What is the gospel if it's not a glass of water? in my name, if it's not standing in the breach. Do you know what it struck me then as a young missionary? These African Christians were praying to God to provide food for them. I had the means to actually find some money and buy some rice. I was God's answer to prayer, standing right there. We always think God's going to answer somehow out there. Do you realize every single person sitting here is God's answer to somebody's prayer? Why? Because we are the we are unique creatures. There's nobody else quite like you. And God has designed you to meet a special need. And that's what we did. And that's what missionary work is. You are the answer to somebody's prayer. Be full of the Holy Spirit. Hunger for justice. Hunger for justice. Hunger for justice. And you know, if we leave, if we leave this church tonight hungering and thirsting after justice... And believing that Jesus is going to be with us and we are going to be the answer to somebody's prayer out there, the mission field starts right at that door. May God bless you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org donate.